Pop-Tarts, Drag Queens, and Neiman Marcus. What more could you ask for? This is TFG Unbuttoned. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. An off-the-cuff take on politics, pop culture, and current events. Hello, everybody. Tim Bennett here, along with my good friend and co-host, Mr. John T. Nash. We are TFG Unbuttoned, the Tuesday podcast from your friends at the Focus Group. Learn all about us at focusgroupradio.com. While you're there, you'll also find some of our sponsors, including Critics' Choice Video, who have been with us since we started here on TFG Unbuttoned. Be sure to click on their logo and start shopping away for some of the best media and best media prices you'll find anywhere. So hello, Mr. Nash. Good morning. Uh, and good week ahead for everybody. We're we're sliding into the end of February. February always seems to be one of those months that goes by in a blink. You know, January seems to take forever. And then February, it's almost the 28th. They're like, wow. And then it's March. <laughs> Are you moving out? Did you put your house up on the market? And you're moving out of New York State? Moving out of oh, New York? Is that because of the um, the the trial? that? Uh, yeah, he said everybody's leaving New York. Everyone's leaving New York. You know what, what I... <laughs> I, I, you and I, we, you and I have thoughts about all this and we, we are political, but rarely on our show or we hope to not be. I'll just say this. There was a fascinating article that I read. I might've been in Axios or the Atlantic about this case and about the, um, the fines that were put against it and, and the three, almost half billion, it's 394 million, whatever it is. This art, this writer though, went and did a whole research thing on the number of active lawsuits that the Trump organization is currently involved in. Can you guess the number? I, how many, I could, I couldn't, I'm 30. I don't know. Oh, no, no. Just, I'll give you one more guess. <laughs> so this is the Trump organization. Yeah. How many lawsuits are involved in? Was I high or low? You're a little low. Um, but the number usually tracks around 4,000 cases a year. Oh, my God. <laughs> a little low at 30. <laughs> 4,000 a year? You must just have a staff of attorneys. Here's a, a better way of looking at it. Um, they said that from the inception of the business till his run at president, at the president, he that organization has accumulated over 4,400 individual lawsuits. At any given time, a couple of hundred are going on any given year. And guess what? It's all for vendors that are claiming that they did the work and they're not getting paid. Get paid. And what I would simply say about this and what the author said is anybody who's done business in New York and anybody who's done business with the Trump organization, if they got paid, they were lucky. Yeah. If they got paid on time, that they were golden. They're, they must have had a connection to the family. He said, because this is the way this company does business. You, you go in there, you're like, I'm going to make money. I'm going to do a good job, whatever. And then you're stuck doing you know, legal stuff. Right, because been he's, he's going to grind you down. Mm -hmm. and then there have been stories of businesses that have folded because they couldn't afford the, the legal case, you know, the cost of constantly, because guess what that organization does to eventually win their case? They delay, they delay. They use all the loopholes and all the delays to drag it out. And an independent contractor or a small business, they, they don't have the time for that. Hey, listen, was you want to experience that with Trumper, Trumper company that, that mm -hmm. didn't want to pay us? Why we had to take pennies on the dollar? Because what did the attorney tell us? It'll cost you. You'll win money. at the end. You'll win, but, yeah, but it's going to cost you this, this much is, money. Yeah. And I remember him saying they're just like the Trumpers. He goes, they, they, they'll never pay their bills because they want to negotiate a new price. 
It's so I read this, and then they also profiled a small business uh, a guy in Jersey. It was a contractor. He he was going to work. He did work. This goes back a ways. He did work for some of the Trump casinos in Atlantic City. Never got paid. Never got paid. Never got paid. They refused payment. It goes to court. Goes to court. Goes to court. He eventually wins the case, but it was exactly what you said. So for every dollar he was trying to get, I think he got twenty five cents on the dollar or something. Mm-hmm. So what he did when he got this payment was he paid all his vendors that that he owed money to that had done work on this job. He paid them all 100%. Whatever was left over, he was able to keep. And then he fo- he had to fold the business. So he, he stayed in it to make sure everybody was made whole. But he took the hit and the business collapsed. So whenever, you know, sometimes we get comments I've seen pop up now and then like, well, you guys, I liked it when you did this or you might not be. I'm not being political here. I'm just saying from a business point of view. If they, this is what they do, <laughs> just look yeah. at that and you say, you know, okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it was well-known and well-known in New York. I just wonder whether he'll ever, you know, he's the king of, king of delay, right? So I just mm-hmm. wonder whether he'll ever be held accountable. And that was the last thing I read was like, uh, someone's like, ignore all this. It's all smoke and mirrors. It has to be defeated at the ballot box. And I thought, will he ever pay, will he ever pay these, these fines? Well, actually, that's the big problem. In order to appeal either the E. Jean Carroll case or this latest um, New York fraud case, money has to be put into escrow or a, an account managed by the court to, to prove that you, can, in fact, do have these funds that if you do exhaust all appeals, you can, in fact, pay the judgment or take so the money back. So is that back. like, so would you put land in there or value of he, properties? A, according to everything I'm reading, there's, there's going to have to either be a a sale of some assets or someone's going to have to come to his rescue. And I don't know Saudis, if you saw this. The, the, the Saudis, they're, they're also the Qataris, right? Somebody's going to mm-hmm. write him a check for $2 billion and it'll be all done. The, on NPR had a great piece about this. NPR had this uh, a, a financial guy on. He said, you know, when we get earnings calls from most companies, the CEO comes on and he goes item by item, challenges where we've made some good investment decisions, where we've made some good product decisions, where we see things happening in the next several months. And they give you the bottom line. He said his organization, since it's privately owned, basically he'll say to someone, you know, I think I like that golf course. I could do something with that. <laughs> and then this guy said, you know, and this is where the, 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 um, how opaque it gets. He said, because someone could come along and say, I like his idea for that golf course. We're going to give him $2 billion. And it happens to be the Saudi Aramco right. fund or whatever it is that they use for investing. And he said, and there's, it's, it's very hazy. He said with a publicly traded company by law, they have to tell, you know, there's all these things that they yeah. have to tell you. So, um, then he brought up the thing about putting the money up and, you know, and, and then he said at the end of it, he goes, you know, he could delay, delay, delay. And, this may never come to pass, he said, but, you know, it's a big problem. So I don't know. Yeah. So stay tuned, I guess. Well, it's like I think one guy said, ballot box, ballot box, ballot box. A resounding defeat means off we the stage. Hopefully we can Hopefully. Move on, right. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, we have three stories here today for you on uh, TFG Unbutton. The first one John had found, it says, principal with drag queen side gig resigns under pressure from Oklahoma top school official says. So this was uh, for two decades, a, um, a guy named Shane Mernon worked as an educator by day. He also um, was a drag queen at nights and, and on weekends in Oklahoma City. And he won awards um, for his performance as an educator. 
and moved up uh, in his career and was an administrator and principal. He uh, never had a problem with the dual identities until last year, he said. Somebody had anonymously sent uh, a letter to the school district, the uh, Western Heights School District uh, in Oklahoma City, saying that uh, essentially what he did as a drag queen was um, incendiary and an and, and, and issue. And so then all of a sudden bomb threats were coming in and, and the school um, was told they needed to fire the guy and so forth. So it's uh, ruined his career. He's not been able to work now for since September, I, I think it said. And um, they're trying to now, Oklahoma's trying to enact rules that are going to preclude educators from performing drag outside their jobs, which if you can imagine that piece of legislation. So I yeah, well, I, I was is, I was shocked by this. Oh, oh, well, you saw you know. All right, so this all revolves around State Superintendent Ryan Walters out in Oklahoma. Uh, he's a a, a good looking guy, um, but he is he is very religious, and he doesn't even hide it. This is this is the Christian thing, right? Right. And um, and so he comes into this pick. He comes in. He becomes the state superintendent. And you have someone like uh, Shane Mernan, Mernan, who's been working for decades, right, as an educator. And he and you would think that some, if, if this had been a different thing where he was a hockey coach on the weekends or he was a Boy Scout leader or he did, you know, I don't know what you could put in place of this. It happens to be that his hobby or his pastime was being a drag queen. Right. He entertainer. Gets, yeah, an entertainer. <laughs> honestly turned in and suddenly, boom, he's got a target on him. And, you know, the he's being let go and he's leaving on his own accord um, and he's worked with this school's uh, the school staff and the school principal. Ostensibly, because the school can no longer afford the security coverage it needs to to deflect even these false bomb threats and everything else. But I, I just I marveled at this because here's a man who's devoted his career to educating children, an award winning teacher does this other thing on the side. He, 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 he's a professional person. He's worked really hard to keep those things separate. He always has done that. Um, he has a master's, a doctorate, obviously a bachelor's. And then you have this school superintendent come in who really doesn't care about who a person is or what they've done. He's, right. he's doing this because of the, of this, of this LGBTQ side, right? Which is just, you know, welcome to, uh, the country nowadays, right? Yeah. They, they said, um, I, I was just surprised about it because we've heard we've heard about these sort of issues where the school teachers or people that were employed in professional um, jobs where they've done OnlyFans, you know, the uh, the pay pay for porn site, I guess, or the OnlyFans mm-hmm. sites, and people have lost their jobs um, because of that. This one, I, I guess, it's because of the whole um, anti drag queen thing that we've seen everywhere with drag queen story hours and all the other things that they think it's harmful to children. I, I I don't know, but you're right. He said if he didn't, if he didn't resign, he was going to be terminated. Yeah, and uh, says he probably is not going to be able to work in Oklahoma again because uh, the guy you mentioned, who who's in charge of the whole state, right? Isn't he yeah, in charge? Yeah, he's Walters. the school superintendent, Ryan Walters. Yeah, right. And they said he's gone after other people for for other issues. Oh, it's, uh, principals, teachers, librarians. Yeah. It's it's whoever is not on board with what he thinks a teacher should be and what their moral character should be about. Right. Yeah. So, kind of sad, but um, it's kind of the world we're in right now, unfortunately. And depend. And, and sadly, you know, I feel bad for Oklahoma. 
because Oklahoma is losing a career educator simply because <laughs> they perform in drag on the weekends. Drag you know, it's yeah. so hard to imagine this as being a huge problem. But anyway, that's me. I wonder if he'd be able to go, he probably could go to a, pub, a private school. Maybe he can get a job at a private school. It's going to, but I think you were, what you said earlier, he's leaving, the, he has to leave the state. He has to get, yeah. he has to go somewhere new. Yeah. Yeah. This other story popped up and I, I kind of cocked my head when I saw it, but the headline is Neiman Marcus's gay CEO accused of discriminating against cis straight men, only promoting women and gay guys. So luxury retailer Neiman Marcus, uh, based in Dallas. Uh, says they're the latest company being accused of gender and racial discrimination in their hiring practices. And this is because they're failing to recruit and promote enough straight men, according to the complaint. <laughs> so it says at the center of the firestorm, the CEO, Jeffrey Von Ramdank, um, who's the CEO and uh, of Neiman Marcus, the uh, complaint against him was that he only hires men who are gay and or European and white and Asian women. So, of course, the um, Neiman Marcus had to hire an outside attorney and check into this and find out whether, in fact, uh, there was any evidence to this or not. And did he engage in any contact, conduct that was described in the, uh, in the allegation? And the case was no, he didn't. But um, it sounds like this is another one of these uh, messes at a corporation. What was your, your takeaway on this? Well, they, they oddly, or I say this is oddly because normally it's a flip. You, right. you would normally have a group of employees saying there there is not an effort to have diversity and we we need to have other people involved, whatever. So the corporation took it seriously and they put it into an outside review, if I read this correctly, and it came back with the review came back as like, no, the company has done a, a remarkably good job of creating a a diverse and and good workforce. They pinpointed a couple of people who had risen through the ranks, whatever. But it even got down to this crazy thing here, right? So it says the company refuted the allegations further by pointing out their proven track record of hiring heterosexual men and a sprinkling of non-white employees. Quote, 13 straight men represent almost over 30% of the senior hires in promotion, Neiman Marcus said in their statement, adding that it promoted 16 leaders from within, including four white, uh, straight men, one Asian man, and one black woman. I mean, when was the last time you saw this kind of minutia put to these numbers, right? And it said, translation, Neiman Marcus is like most companies and employs lots of white straight dudes. At the end of the day, <laughs> it still is that kind of a balance thing. And I think this has been shown to be a meritless uh, thing. But again, it's a, a strange thing to have these employees coming from that side of the equation, right? How dare you hire, you know, women and gay men? <laughs> hey, listen, I, I remember. And it's I even Marcus. It's a yeah. department store, right? Right, which would have a predominance of probably mm -hmm. women and, and gay men of any retail, if I'm going to stereotype. But I remember when there was uh, lots of complaints about the auto industry in general about not having enough diversity. And I remember HR, you know, craning their necks to try to figure out if somebody because some people would check other or they wouldn't check what their what their um what their uh ethnicity was and it would drive them crazy because they wanted to submit these numbers so that it would look like uh that we had a diverse workforce but I, you know it, it was always i always shook my head about it because i thought you know what whether the, i think we're the only country in the world that does this where we actually get down to this level you're either French or you're not, right? <laughs> you're either English or you're not. 
or, yeah. or you know, you're British or you're not. They, they don't, you know. I see this as an extension or a part of this whole pushback on DEI, and it's a, and yeah. it's a, it's a nasty pushback on DEI, right? Because as the as the Neiman Marcus outside review proved, the company is still predominantly run by you know straight white men, and so it's just cynical, and I think it's also odd. And and but again, it, with all the stuff going on in the world, here's how people choose to spend their time, right? Anyway, <laughs> I did laugh at the very end. It said it, apparently the the CEO has been in trouble for other things too, stepping in it. And uh, he has a Dallas mansion and uh, was still receiving a bonus when people were getting laid off during the pandemic. But then it also said he told Fortune magazine last year, I want the company to stop appealing to the middle class masses and focus on selling to the big spenders. <laughs> yeah. It went over the jet setting millionaire cohort. I thought, well, that's that's one way. Of doing By the it. way, he's got a point. I had a friend who used to work at Barney's in New York before they closed. And yeah. um I remember they were doing a walk around and the the CEO was talking about why are we not selling more of these six six thousand dollar handbags? Yeah. And the employee says he goes, Because people can get away with using a twenty dollar handbag. <laughs> well, that's not the customer we want. So there no. is <laughs> there is precedent there. Your twelve dollar Timex does as well as your ten thousand dollar Cartier, right? Yeah. I mean that's that's the that's the thing. You're paying for the piece of paper on the dial. The um and then finally, the co-inventor of Pop-Tarts, William Post, has died at 96 last week. I didn't know if you had seen that. He was uh, credited as the inventor of Pop-Tarts. He died February 10th in Michigan. He was 96 years old. And uh, they said, he, while he was a plant manager for Keebler in the 60s, he'd welcome some executives from Kellogg's who'd come in. They were discussing the idea of a new product. They wanted a shelf-stable toaster pastry for breakfast for the you know people on the go, I suppose. And um, so William Post or Bill Post worked on this, and they came up with the idea of a Pop-Tart. It was originally called the Fruit Scone. Yeah, and, uh, bad name. Think, <laughs> yeah, didn't think that was a good name, but um, essentially developed the uh, the iconic Pop-Tart and uh, was initially in four flavors. They were strawberry, blueberry, brown sugar, and apple currant. They were mm -hmm. released in Cleveland in 1964 and were a huge success, and they added, uh, added icing a few years later. And uh, they asked him uh, a few years ago what his favorite flavor was. It was strawberry. Mm. And I was, I was thinking myself, did you have a favorite Pop-Tart? There's over 20 flavors now available. I but... have to say that probably brown sugar cinnamon or strawberry was my yeah. favorites. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I think strawberry, too. And I used to get upset that sometimes I thought there was too much crust. There wasn't enough. There wasn't enough of the the sweet of the fruit filling. Yeah, Did, you know the part of this article that really blew my mind, and I, this just tells you what it takes to get something like this to market. Um, he proceeded to make almost ten thousand samples by hand in the lab to figure out yeah. what was the correct ratio and the mixture to to have it be stable in a in a pouch and then be put in a toaster and come out just right. I mean, ten thousand samples, and I don't think they're lying. Yeah, and then he said he had to break every rule to do what he did, mm -hmm. which uh, which we know that that happens too with with corporations, right? If you do, you can't, you, you, if you stay within the the boundaries, sometimes you're not gonna you're not gonna get the magic. And any other great part of this article at the very end, it said a film about the invention of the popular breakfast pastry titled Unfrosted: The Pop Tart Story, <laughs> directed by and starring comedian Jerry Seinfeld, is set to premiere May three on Netflix. I I'm going to be tuning into that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I picked up on that as well. And I thought that was, uh, 
that was a, a, a not to be missed. So, um, hey, when we started here on, uh, we started the, the podcast here today, we mentioned Critics' Choice Video. They've been with us since we started here on TFGN, but you can get there by going to our site, which is focusgroupradio.com, and you can click on the Critics' Choice Video logo. It's America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987, and there's always some great sales going on there. Mr. Nash loves to get the uh, the catalog. catalogs from there. Uh, if you go to ccvideo.com uh, and you look at the menu structure or the top of the uh, of the landing page, you'll see request catalog. It's the second box down. I highly recommend it. It's a wonderful way to uh, do nonlinear shopping. I never fail to find something that I want to get by just opening the catalog. Like, oh, hmm. And if you don't do the catalog, just visit ccvideo.com and check out the homepage alone because right off the bat, there's a bunch of stuff that, that I'm, my, has piqued my interest. One, on this particular refresh of the page, I have a, I'm looking at That Girl, the complete series. Oh, Remember gosh. That Girl? <laughs> it's DVD, sixty three ninety six for the incomplete. Was that Marlo Thomas, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So That Girl brings back memories. Then right below it is a wonderful movie with Kevin Costner that I adored about uh, uh, Elliot Ness, uh, The Untouchables on Blu-ray. Had a great supporting cast. Uh, Sean Connery was in it, a bunch of great actors as well. And then right below The Untouchables, as if someone programmed this for me, there is a light and sound communicator from Star Trek. For fourteen forty-four, oh you can get a replica of what Kirk and Spock and the whole team on the original show. Remember, they used to flip, beep, 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 they used to flip up. So you must know what you do because I don't have any of that on mine. You know what mine has? Mine what? has a retro phone. Okay, it, that's you. Yeah, it, right. And then it has Forbidden Hollywood Sin, you know, a book, but none of the Star Treks. It's funny. It must. It must. Uh, do a little algorithm and find out what you're interested in. <laughs> well, you're like going to just hit the refresh button again and see what it comes up with because it always says something for me. Okay, the you, Perry Mason, the complete collection. Yeah, um, that's you. Yeah. And then we go down, and it's like, okay, Mobland with uh, that looks like uh, John Travolta. I don't know about that one. And then no, and then oh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Okay, holiday album. And then here's something called It's Intermission Time, and it's a <laughs> CD. Oh, that looks fun. It looks like some stuff they would play at movies, uh, music and and ads they would play during the intermission at movies. Okay, so there's always something fun, right? Yeah. So there you go, folks. Um, CCvideo.com. You can get there by going to focusgroupradio.com, clicking on the Critics' Choice Video logo. Remember that they are, in fact, America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987. They've been with us here from the start. We would love if you would visit them and do what I just did. (laughs) Like say, hey, maybe you need a Star Trek communicator. But we want everybody to uh, have a great week. And thanks for uh, spending some of your day with us. And we look forward to seeing you in the new week. And stay tuned for the Focus Group later in the week. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Available every Tuesday. Learn more about Tim and John, Unbuttoned, and all of the Focus Group platforms at focusgroupradio.com.